Welcome to the Starting Over Stronger Show, where you'll find help and hope for your divorce survival and recovery. Divorce well, live well. Hello, 2021, and welcome back, listeners, to the Starting Over Stronger Divorce Survival and Recovery Show. We are back. It is a new year, and we are going to do a new thing today. Today, we're going to record the first segment of the coach chats that I talked to you about in the New Year announcements. These aren't like the professional interviews where I ask an attorney or a therapist, mediator, financial advisor to help you understand one of the business matters of divorce, and they're not exactly like those SOS stories where you hear a woman tell her story of divorce and recovery. It's kind of a bridge between the two, between the story of divorce and business of divorce. Uh, My coach chats are just me and another coach sitting down and having a conversation. And I'm excited to bring several life coaches on the show this year. And so we're just going to kind of dive into vital personal development, decision-making skills and topics that always come into play with divorce. And today, I think we're going to be starting with probably the biggest question that we have all asked ourselves before divorce. But first, my guest today is a fellow CDC certified divorce coach, Susan Bernstein, and she is going to help us answer all these important questions. So hello, Susan, how are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. So again, thank you for being here. And I would love it if you could just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Of course. I live in the suburbs of New York City, and I have three beautiful children, and I am a certified divorce coach who also trains other certified divorce coaches in a mastermind class. I am the director of uh, the my local chapter of the National Association for Divorce Professionals, and I'm also a VESTA divorce coach, so just finding resources for those in need. Very nice. Well, thank you again for sharing that. And, you know, when I first met you, you told me the story of your divorce in like two minutes and it kind of wowed me. So I wanted to give the listeners a chance to just kind of know what your framework is for divorce. Thank you. Um, Originally, I was a teacher and a school administrator, college professor. When I had my first child, I became an educational consultant. And I did that until I decided I wanted to file for divorce. And I saw that there was a need for support. And I then switched from educational consultant to divorce consultant and heard about certified divorce coaching and went into that and um, my specialty in, in divorce coaching is helping families with special needs children because my oldest daughter has severe special needs and helping individuals who are in toxic relationships or narcissistic um, partners get unstuck from those. I know both well, yeah. well based on my own situation. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. And you know, what we are going to talk about is something that I bet you dealt with personally too. And we'll get into that a little bit, but you know, the main thing that we want to talk about today is should I stay or should I go? And, uh, you know, this is hard question, but just to make a little bit of fun of it, I thought of that old song from the clash. Should I stay or should I go now? You know, and I don't know if The Clash was thinking about divorce when they wrote that song, but it certainly seems like it. You got to let me know one day is fine and next is black. Do you want me off your back? I don't know. It sounds like a divorce to me, but (laughs) I I, I love it that you link that. It's a good analogy. (laughs) You know, you got to have some fun, right? 
So the thing is, um, you have, this is one of the hardest decisions. I mean, honestly, it, I can't even think how long it took me to, to really be sure. Did you deal with that yourself? Absolutely. It takes a lot of thinking and planning and strategy, especially if children are involved and if it's very complicated. So if if it's a toxic relationship, it's even harder to figure out how you're going to get out. Mm -hmm. That's true. That does add another layer to it for sure. So, you know, it's a difficult call and we want to really dive into this and help you to figure out if you should stay and keep trying and holding out hope to save the marriage or if it's time to cut your losses and prepare to file for divorce. What will happen if you do? What will happen if you don't? I mean, I know that you've probably waffled back and forth between the two a million times because we all did. And it certainly just seems impossible when you're really, you know, just stuck, I guess is the best word for it. And, you know, this is a new year and the new year is the time that we all tend to assess Uh, our lives, our situations uh, from every angle, and marriage is no different, right? Uh, So it's a really a great time for you and I to kind of have this conversation and explore this, this idea of whether or not divorce is even a good idea for the listener. So um, ending a marriage, it's intimidating, scary, it's disappointing. It's the death of a dream that was never supposed to die, but divorce can actually prove to also be empowering and life-changing in some really amazing ways or devastating. And there are many reasons for this, and all of them are addressed in divorce coaching that you and I do. And the most important one, I think, is whether or not to file. So what do you think about that? What, how do you handle that with clients? Absolutely. We talk about if it's fixable and how to fix it, how to communicate, how to find those resources to help make it work. And mm-hmm. then we talk about if they think it's not fixable, um, how to step away strategically and how to plan accordingly and get everything organized before you actually proceed with the divorce process. Right. Yeah. And of course, every couple has ups and downs. So, you know, you've really got to think, is this something that's worth ending a marriage over? Um, Many times, uh, you know, an obstacle or a difficulty in a relationship can actually strengthen love and commitment if things can be worked out. Uh, you know, with both parties putting in equal effort. I recently heard, and I heard it directly from Queen Elizabeth on The Crown on Netflix, so it's it's good information, uh, that all marriages have a falling apart around 10 years. And then if they can resolve it to the mutual benefit of both, they're stronger and even better afterwards. What do you think? I absolutely agree. If both parties are willing to put in that time, energy, and effort to fix it, and if there's no toxic behaviors involved, they can look at their past to re-strengthen their relationship, and they can see what went awry and how to pull it back together. Um, I'm sure you and your listeners have heard of the five languages of love and really see what that other partner needs and work towards giving them what they need and knowing the grass is not always greener. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, marriage gets frustrating sometimes, but, you know, I have known some people like this. I've also known some who tried everything for years and years, maybe longer than they should have. And they just couldn't find that space of mutual benefit. 
But yet at the same time, filing for divorce is life altering. And absolutely no one should make that decision hastily or carelessly. And as ironic as it may seem, you shouldn't make it emotionally. Obviously, it's a very emotional thing, but we need to know that we did everything we could to save our marriage. And I feel like the, we need to know that because we owe it to ourselves, our kids, and our future self to have that certainty. That makes all the difference on the other side if, if you do go through with it. So I thought for our conversa- conversation today, we would offer the listeners some questions to consider before they start calling lawyers. And I'll stick this in here too. Please call Susan or myself before you start calling lawyers. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to our divorce coaching clients is a solid strategy for selecting an attorney that you won't regret because that's a really big decision and it makes a huge difference. So today, what we're going to do, though, is just sort of an emotional inventory, uh, probably kind of popcorn style. I've got some thoughts and questions, and I know Susan does, too, where we're just going to explore the really important dynamics that help determine if your marriage can be saved or not. And these questions, honestly, are best explored in a journal with your own pen and your own heart. So please take some time. Not right now, obviously, because you want to listen in, but just grab a notebook and just take some notes and then you can journal later to give you really good, solid clarity and confidence, whichever way you go. So, Susan, the first question, I'm, I'm curious if you'll say the same thing. I thought the number one question people need to ask, and I was curious what you think that would be. I always say if they're worried about their safety or their children's safety, they know they need to walk away. Okay. Well, let's jump right there then. So are your spouse's behaviors just annoying or are they abusive or reckless or manipulative? What are some ways you explore that concept with someone? We can look to see if addiction like drugs or, or um, drinking play a role. We can look to see if mental illness plays a role and if those people are getting help. And if they acknowledge those barriers, if they're not getting help, it's going to fundamentally get in the way with no end in sight. Yeah. I think intention is a big part of it. They, they, you know, it's one thing we all do stupid things and make mistakes and hurt each other uh, unintentionally. And, you know, if we do that and we're able to talk about it and correct it and really work toward change, that's a very different thing than when someone is being reckless, they don't care if they're hurting you or even worse, they're doing it on purpose for manipulative and pathological reasons. And so, yeah, absolutely, a safety is a huge thing. And, you know, on that note, before we go any further, what do you what do you do to develop a safety plan with a client? Do you have a specific plan or do you just tailor it to the individual? Of course, every case is individualized, but the important thing is to believe any threat that your partner is telling you to document it with the police or with your child's counselor or your therapist or just so that it's documented and that there is a history behind it and not all of a sudden after you file for divorce, are you saying these claims that they've Mm -hmm. been there all along? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Well, anything else on safety? 
I think it's very important to make sure you surround yourself with support, with therapists, with others that you can trust, knowing that there's a place for you to go, or if you do file for divorce, who's going to leave the house? So you're not under the same roof during that divorce process with someone who you do not feel safe with. Yeah, very good point. Yeah. And you know, then, you know, you have to think about if those annoying behaviors aren't really rising to the level of abuse, reckless, you know, manipulative behavior, does your partner behave in ways that other people find problematic? Or do they just bug you? You know, what do you what do you order your thoughts on that? Often, I believe that a trial separation on that point could work because sometimes space away can make you realize if those are just annoying things that you can accept and everyone has them. And is that, you know, what can you accept or not? So I recommend to see if it's really annoying that trial separation. Do you miss them or do you want them back and ready to work on it? You know, that's a really great point. And one of the other questions that I like to ask people is about whether or not they find that they're escaping from spending time with their spouse, whether that's they're both in the same house and they're in different parts of the house and they don't really communicate, or if one or the other is just constantly making plans to be anywhere but home. In other words, just not wanting to be with that person and having a general sense that they would be happier on their own. You know, a trial separation might be a really, really important step in that case, because you might you know, obviously you deserve happiness. And if you, and if you're happier alone than with this person, then you have to explore that. But what if you just think that you would be, and you actually discover after a period of time that you really miss that person and want to work things out with them? It's true. And related to asking if their behaviors are annoying, I think you also have to take it the next step. And if they are putting you and your children down. If they're really, you know, miserable to be around um, or if, if it's something that you can walk away from. So are they targeting you personally? It's affecting you or you just don't like certain things they do and it's not directed at you. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, uh, I think, you know, another question that I have is if you contribute to the problems. And I think it's safe to say we all contribute in some way or another. Um, And if we can really take some time to explore what our contribution is and determine if we're willing to change those things. You know, I I always say I was 100% responsible for allowing behaviors in my marriage that I should never have allowed. I didn't know better at the time. And so I kind of set a precedent that in hindsight probably led to the destruction of the marriage, but I didn't know better at the time. Right. And so if I had taken some time to explore that and realize that I was contributing to the problems by tolerating them and maybe even sinking to that level, sometimes I maybe could have done something a little bit different to handle that. And maybe a different series of events would have taken place. Who knows? Right. Um, It may not have made a difference, but I want to know that I did everything I could. So I always ask my clients, to really get honest about their contribution. Do you cover that as well? I do. Um, I think not only their contribution, but their expectations. 
many times when you look at your expectations um, for yourself and theirs and, and see the differences and possibly lowering them or altering them. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, no one wants to settle, but that expectation level is very important, as well as communicating to your partner that you mentioned a little bit. And if the communication is poor, willing to strengthen it, willing to get individual or group therapy and counseling can make a difference as well. Okay. Well, I'll let you go now. What, what is another important question that you really like to address? Um, I, I do like to ask people about um, to walk away if the other party is constantly stopping them from being them, their best self, if they're not supporting who they want to be, or if they fully lost who they are because of the other person. And if they miss their old self, obviously people grow, they change. Ideally as a couple, you grow together. But if you feel that you've lost your identity and it's not who you want to be, that's important yep. if the other person's supporting them or not. Absolutely. You know, we all have needs in relationships. Uh, We were created to have needs. And it is reasonable to expect that some of those needs get met by your partner. Not all of them, but some of them and the important ones. And so you really have to spend some time when you're experiencing what you feel is the demise of your marriage and really think about whether or not, well, first of all, what are your needs? you know, make a list. What do you need in a relationship? And then ask yourself, is it reasonable to think that your partner will take these needs seriously and in the near future, come up with some kind of agreed upon plan to meet those needs? And then will you do that for them? Absolutely. I, I fully agree with you on that. And I, I tell people that it also starts with looking at yourself and how you are treating yourself and yeah. know that if you cut someone out of your life, it's not always um, because you hate them, but it's that you love yourself so much. You don't want to go down that path of being drained and the negativity and living in that life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's, you know, happiness really probably isn't the ultimate goal in life. I don't know. I've I, Obviously, everybody wants to be happy, right? But for me, peace and peace of mind was like so much more important than happiness. And obviously, one kind of leads into the other. But, you know, your marriage can improve if both parties are willing and able to work on the things that are not being met for each party. So it's really about taking some time to try to understand those needs, to communicate those needs, and then to come up with a plan that works for everybody. And if both people are on board with that, then there's probably quite a bit of hope for your marriage, even if it's, it's feeling hopeless at this moment, right? I do agree. And I think something that as coaches we're taught and we try to convey to our clients is that we cannot control others, but we have control over how we respond to them. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's funny when, when I asked you, what do you think the number one question is? I was, I was thinking of going in a different direction, but I'm curious how many people come to you and the first thing they say is, I just don't love him anymore. I just don't, I've fallen out of love. There are obviously numerous people who that has happened to, and we explore that. And then there's the other half who say, I love them, but they're addicted. And this is just a barrier that we can't overcome, or I love them, but there's a mental health issue that's not going away. So that's a struggle when you really love someone, but you know that the problems are not going to stop and you either have to accept it and 
deal with it the best you can or move on. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on love in general? Can it be rekindled or if it's dead, it's dead. There's two different schools of thought on that. I I do believe anything's possible. I am a a romantic and I do (laughs) think can be fixed and ideally you're falling in love again and again with the same person and your love is growing. Um, I also think that, you know, you can't just say you're putting in 50%. You have to put in 150%. They'll only see part of that. So Mm -hmm. you have to give it above and beyond your all to truly, it takes effort and work to make it work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I remember probably about a year and a half before my divorce, I really felt that I just can't do this anymore. I, this marriage is over feeling. And it wasn't even, I don't love him. I loved him until the day I finally gave up on the relationship and to in some degree, probably always will. But I just knew that I couldn't do this marriage anymore. And, and the way I articulated that to myself, to our therapist, to him was this marriage is over. And I moved to a different room in the house and I, we were in counseling, but it wasn't going well. And there were some very specific steps that I felt needed to happen. And my therapist agreed in order for there to be hope to save the marriage. And I made it very clear that that marriage was over. We can, if both parties choose to build something new from this point forward, and I'm going to have more of a say in what it looks like. And if you're okay with that, then great. We will make this work. But if not, then, you know, we'll do what we have to do to move on. So, because I think, you know, if you're not in love with your spouse and you don't feel like there's a viable marriage, it probably is more humane to just get a divorce. I think everybody deserves to have a happy, healthy life. And if that's a part, then so be it. I I think it's better that way than, you know, I've seen way too many people stay together for a lifetime and celebrate, you know, 40th and 50th and 60th anniversaries and they're miserable, you know, and it's, Uh, you know, that's, that's hard. (laughs) It sounds like you took the high road, you stayed classy, you communicated. And I'm sure when you look back on that situation, you're proud of how you handled it. And that's, that's the goal is to, is to really handle it with like the business of divorce with a good head on your shoulders, having thought through and how you want it to play out, looking back at it. Yeah. And yeah, from the moment I moved upstairs, it was still, I think a full two years before the divorce happened, I really truly did give it my all. And I, furthermore, I, I was underemployed and had to complete a degree and really try to create a way to have a life after divorce, um, you know, and, and be uh, able to support myself. So it, that took time as well. And I wasn't willing to move out of the house or in the marriage until I had that support. And in the meantime, I was willing to do what it took to save the relationship, but I, you know, it just, that level of, of, uh, effort wasn't met, you know, so. Absolutely. And I can tell that you were empowered and you knew that the possibilities were limitless, you know, once <laughs> you were courageous and took that step forward and certainly you did everything you could to try to fix it. So I think yeah. that's important. And I think one thing 
I always want my clients to know, and I'm sure you do as well, is that there's never only one option. No one should feel stuck that I must stay here. No, you Mm -hmm. could move into another room. You can move out. There's trial separations. There's post-nups. There's there's so many options and people aren't thinking critical and and they're in crisis. So. For sure. There's a ton of, of fear brain. And in fact, that was the last question that I was going to offer is, do you stay because you fear of, you know, do you stay for any level of fear? Do you fear regretting? Uh, do you fear not being able to provide for yourself? You know, there's all kinds of different things that you fear. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's uh, very realistic in many people and change is scary, but change can be amazing. So I do think it takes time and people are scared, but fear should not keep you stuck in something that is detrimental to you. Yeah, for sure. And it's sad, but it, it honestly does. So, so many, so often, you know, and the reason I think is because, you know, most people that get a divorce have never gotten a divorce before. They have no idea what to expect. It's fear of the unknown and, and maybe even a little of the known, because maybe they've known some people (laughs) that have gotten divorced and it didn't go well. Either the divorce itself was a nightmare or, their life afterwards changed in dramatic ways that that person is having a hard time coming to terms with. So it is important to, uh, to address the fears, not ignore them, not, you know, just think that you need to just do whatever you, you know, without worry or consequence, but to really explore those fears, you know, write them down. What are you afraid of? And then really think about what you could do that would alleviate that fear. It's so true. No one gets married thinking that it's going to end in divorce and fear is normal and it's okay. And it's part of the process of, of moving forward. Yeah. Okay. I think that is pretty much all the questions that I had for today. What other thoughts do you have? I, I, I really love this topic of should I or shouldn't I get divorced? And I, I encourage your listeners to truly think it through and think about if there's red flags, if there's safety, if it's fixable, what resources are out there for themselves and their children and a good strategy to go about it and not do anything rash because they are not alone. It is happening all over and it's real and no one should be stuck. I do, you know, it's not that I'm pro-divorce and I'm sure you're not pro-divorce, but we're pro, no, we're pro no one feeling stuck and no one feeling unsafe or their children are not in a good environment. Yeah, that, that totally just reminded me one time, a lot of times when I tell people that I'm a divorce coach, they're very, oh, I bet there's a lot of need for your, you know, for your services and blah, blah, blah. But this one time I said that to a lady and she goes, oh, I think I'd rather be a marriage coach. (laughs) I was like, wow. Okay. (laughs) Can you pull the knife out now? Like I'm not an advocate for divorce. I don't try to get people to go through a divorce. It's just a reality that there are broken marriages, there are broken people, and they they need just as much help. And I had somebody give a really great illustration. I don't want anybody to get cancer, but I'm sure glad there are cancer doctors out there. Right? I mean, it's a reality. Absolutely. And I know in both of our training, we also help post-divorce clients. And that's one of my favorite parts is finding my post-divorce clients new relationships that aren't toxic, that are healthy Mm -hmm. and it's very satisfying for all of us to see that anything is possible. Absolutely. I love that. 
Well, listeners, I hope that we helped you today to understand your decision dilemma. And if you'd like to spend some more time one-on-one with a coach to get some personalized support in processing your should I stay or should I go decision, please reach out. You can email me at Annie at startingoverstronger.com or visit startingoverstronger.com for more information. Thank you again for tuning in today. Remember, you do not have to do divorce alone. You can divorce well and then learn to live well. We'll see you next time for more help as you divorce and hope as you are starting over stronger. Stronger.